Welcome to Maison Pur, the podcast. I'm your host, Molly Hill. This podcast is all about natural living and how to get there without stressing out. We'll discuss easy tips to help create a healthier home, natural ways to care for our bodies, and so much more. Today is a very special guest, a fellow blogger and friend, Becca. You may know her as Organically Becca, and she's been on the podcast before. She's just as passionate about natural living as I am, but today she is going to be talking about a subject that she's particularly passionate about and a topic I think many of us can appreciate, coffee. Hi, Becca. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi, Molly. Thanks for having me back for a second time. Yeah, I'm excited. You always bring so much wisdom, but today we're talking about a topic that you are particularly passionate about, coffee. You could say that. I mean, I kind of of like coffee. I've kind of learned a thing or two over the years, but yeah, it's a fun topic. Yeah. And I always look at the, well, often on Instagram, you'll share the coffee that you're making, what kind of cream you're putting in, things like that. So it always looks so good. I'm excited to dive in and learn more about not only your secrets to making a good cup of coffee, but also um, some health and kind of uh, natural living related things having to do with coffee as well. Yeah, for sure. I think most people don't realize like how in-depth this topic can really go. So I'm excited to share all my knowledge with you. (laughs) Yes. And I'm drinking coffee right now. We happen to be recording in the morning, so it's perfect. (laughs) Same here. Cheers. (laughs) Cheers. All right. Well, we are going to get in depth with coffee. Um, I think, you know, something kind of funny about coffee is that it can be a little bit divisive in the wellness community um, just because some people point out negatives. Uh, But I think taken in moderation, it actually has some health benefits, right? Yeah. And you're not kidding. Like it is so divisive. Like the amount of times I see people saying like, oh, I gave up coffee and my life is so much better. Or <laughs> like if you drink coffee, all these things will happen to you and your hormones. And it's like, you know, like with anything, moderation is key um, and you should be smart about it. Obviously, like I mean, like little things like don't just endlessly chug coffee throughout the day, limit how much you have. Make sure you're not drinking it on an empty stomach. Um, I heard this like analogy recently and it was like, don't press the gas pedal without putting fuel in the tank. So that was something that like I had to work on over the years, like not just waking up and drinking coffee right away, like have some breakfast with it. Make sure you have some like fats in your stomach and make sure you're hydrated. So like just little things like that. But that was a tangent already. Um, (laughs) But like, I did look into like the health benefits of coffee, because you know, you do also hear these things like, oh, coffee drinkers live longer, which I actually did find like a study, like a Harvard study, and they found that. um, So like, adults that drink coffee, whether it's caffeinated or decaf, they actually had a lower risk of dying from diabetes, heart disease, respiratory disease, and other medical complications compared to non-coffee drinkers. So, I mean, I'm always going to look for things that like 
kind of validating my coffee addiction. So. <laughs> but it is just cool that like there are these things that have been licked into. But like coffee is actually also super rich in polyphenol and antioxidants. So even more than cocoa and tea, which is crazy. Like I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, it's also associated with improved liver health and then it can boost physical and cognitive function. So there are like legit things that coffee can like do to your body. And then I always just like to joke that like, you know, anecdotally, it it makes me happy. So that counts for something, right? Yeah, (laughs) I think for sure. I think there's a lot of people who maybe don't have a lot of vices in their life, but they just need that one cup of coffee in the morning, right? Right. No, that's totally how I look at it. It's like, you know, you can be super like clean and perfect with everything else you do in your life. But like, if you're, if you're miserable, like what's the point? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It's all about, uh, I I guess, moderation in all ways, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm all about that. Yeah. So the, the kind of flipping the script here, you know, it's not all rosy. There's a lot of health benefits, but certain things can outweigh the health benefits and make that cup of joe a lot less healthy. Can you give us kind of an overview of some of the problems, especially with like growing the coffee crops? Yeah. So the main thing is that coffee is actually like one of the most chemically treated crops in the world, um, which is crazy. So I found this stat from CS Monitor and they claim that up to 250 pounds of chemical fertilizers are sprayed like per acre of non-organic coffee. So like, I know. And if you just think about like, oh, I'm drinking this every day, like that can add up. So we'll definitely dive more into that, like the organic and pesticide free and all that. But um, like the US government, they don't have a limit really for how many pesticides can be used on coffee beans. And there's like 42 different ones that are approved for use on coffee. And this is worldwide, obviously, because like, I mean, we don't have much, we don't really grow coffee here in the US. So it's right. That's kind of a whole nother thing. It's like a lot of it is out of our control because we're sourcing from other places. Um, And also to like, there are chemicals and pesticides that are banned, but I've heard that like they still could be used. You you know, you don't always know. So it's like you really just have to be mindful of where you're getting your coffee from because there's all these things that can go into it, like chemicals and pesticides and all that that can be used just in the growing aspect of it. Um, And then I also can't help but think about like you know, the workers that are literally on their hands and knees and they're like in the thick of it, like picking the coffee and all that and like the soil and the residues and that can go off into the water system. So like just it's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's really sad, actually, because a lot of the places that coffee's grown, maybe um, once it gets into the water and stuff, I mean, you're ruining such a beautiful environment. Right. And you're like, oh, my gosh, we us in the US, we're like so dependent on coffee. And like, can you imagine how many like little coffees, coffee farms there are around the world that like, oh my gosh, I just, my mind goes to dark places when I think about all this. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it is a problem. But I like one of the things I've read, and you of course know so much more about this, but 
you know, you think about the pesticides and, and different things being sprayed while they're grown, but there's a lot of things that happen during processing that can actually really affect the coffee, right? Yeah. So like the fertilizers and pesticides and all that, that's like one thing. That's kind of the surface level issue. But um, I mean, there's a lot of things that happen from growing to when it actually like gets in a bag to your house. So um, another big aspect that like I did not have any idea about until like a few years ago recently is mycotoxins. So I mean, you've probably heard that it's like, it's been kind of a buzzy term, I guess, over the years. But Mm -hmm. um, so these are basically like naturally occurring toxins that are produced by different like molds and fungi. And the thing is, they're not like added to the coffee, like no one's dumping mycotoxins (laughs) into your coffee. Um, They're just kind of naturally occurring things, um, and they're in coffee, dried fruits, chocolate, other food crops. So that contamination can happen, like, at different stages of the coffee production process. So it can be, like, when it's growing, when it's being stored, when it's being transported. Like, it's, again, it's not something that's just, like, added at a certain stage. Um, And in general the mycotoxins are more prevalent like in lower quality coffees. So again, we'll talk more about that. But um, it was just crazy when I learned that like 91.7% of green coffee beans were found to be contaminated with mold. So I was like, oh, this this is kind of something I should probably look into, right? (laughs) Yeah, that is. That's pretty staggering. Yeah. Um, And then another thing I... I don't think this is as big of an issue, but yeast can kind of be like another thing that just naturally occurs. Um, Like residues can be left behind, left behind during um, processing and transporting and all that. So yeah, coffee is, I mean, it's a crop and these things kind of just happen to it naturally. Moldy, yeasty coffee. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds delicious, right? (laughs) Super appetizing. Yeah. Um, But, you know, before people swear off coffee forever, there are some some good things and some ways that people can avoid some of that, right? Mm -hmm. How how would they know what to look for? Yeah. So, again, I think the most important thing is to look for organically grown or certified organic. So um, certified organic is always best, of course. Uh, best of course, but it is like costly to get that certification, um, especially mm. when like some of these like coffee farms or distributors like they're small and they just really can't afford it. Um, and there are some farms that are like literally just a couple of acres, if not less. So it's like, is the price really justifiable to get the certification? Um, but yeah, if you are certified organic, it it's like just kind of like a safety seal, making sure that there's no chemical pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, it's not genetically modified, anything like that. Um, But you can always like just ask your roaster, like, do they use organic farming practices, even if they don't have that certification? So that's like the number one thing I always tell people to look for. But if you do want to go above and beyond, there are like, I guess this is like a new wave of coffee. Um, But like these brands that really go above and beyond and they do the third party testing and they make sure that there's no mold or mycotoxins found. So yeah, at the end of the day, like as long as it's organic, that's my baseline. I still like buying from local roasters who like 
don't do the mold testing or anything, but they use organic practices. So again, kind of like we were talking about earlier, it's like, it's all about balance. Right. Yeah. And I, I think the farm situation with people getting certified organic can be confusing. Um, as someone who has, we have family members that own a small farm out in Louisiana and they do regenerative farming and basically all organic. Mm-hmm. They, they would probably exceed organic guidelines, but because they're just a small family farm, it it's so costly and also time intensive because all the record keeping and everything to get that organic, you know, U.S. Uh, seal organic. And they've just decided not to, but I think that's a good point. If you have smaller roasters in your area, you can always talk to them directly and just find out, you know, what the deal is. Yeah, for sure. And then like, probably if they do get the certification, I'm sure then they have to like, maybe follow certain rules or, you know, change things that they were doing. So yeah, it's like the certification is great, but it's not always like the main thing you should look for. Aside from the organic and the mold testing, there are just like a few other things you could look for on a label. Um, One thing is high altitude. So coffee that's grown in like cooler, higher mountain temperatures, like it's less likely to grow mold. So a lot of brands will just say that on the label, like grown in high altitudes. Um, Another thing is Arabica. So there's like different varieties of coffee. There's Arabica and Robusta. Um, Most of the coffee you'll see is Arabica, but occasionally Robusta will pop up. But Robusta is just like, it's more likely to contain mycotoxins from what I found. And then uh, one more thing I'll just point out quickly is single origin. So that basically means that like, the, the roast of coffee you're getting is from one place. Um, some brands will actually like combine different coffees from different regions. And that's not like always a bad thing, but single origin kind of just means there's less chance of cross-contamination. So you know exactly what the source is. Yeah, those are great tips. And I didn't even really think about stuff like the single origin. So that's something I'm going to go downstairs and look at my coffee bag. (laughs) (laughs) Where is it from? (laughs) I know. You know, I I do see a lot of people getting the coffee that's been like tested and things like that. We usually, I buy the organic coffee from Whole Foods. It comes in a pretty large pack and it's not priced terribly. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but now I'm like, I don't know. It's probably, it's, you know, everything's too good to be true. If it's cheap, but also organic, maybe it's not the best. (laughs) I know. It's like, once you look into things, you're like, maybe I'll just be a little ignorant and then just enjoy it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Well, I wanted to ask you while I had you, you always are making such amazing looking cups of coffee and ice, Mm -hmm. or I shouldn't say iced coffee. You do cold brew, right? Right. There is a difference, Molly. <laughs> I know. My husband would be all over me for that because he does make cold brew sometimes and I always call it iced coffee. He's like, it's not iced coffee. Oh, that's like a that's like a major sin in the coffee world. <laughs> I know. I just committed it too. But <laughs> um, well, I wanted to pick your brain on how to make a great cup of coffee. Yeah. Ask away. Yeah. So my first question is, pre-ground coffee versus ground or, you know, freshly ground coffee. Does it make a difference in the final outcome? Uh, Yes, I think it makes a big difference. And I will just say, like, do yourself a favor and always choose whole bean, get a grinder, grind it yourself at home. Um, I feel like, like, if you're buying pre-ground coffee, it's like, 
you're kind of buying coffee that's already stale, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget the exact time frame or whatever, but I think I read that like within 15 minutes of grinding your coffee, like that's that's literally the sweet spot of freshness and when you're going to get the best flavor and all like the little nuanced profile and flavor notes of the coffee. So if you really want like the most out of your coffee, definitely go with whole bean. Um, but just to add on to that, like when you are buying pre-ground coffee, it is also more prone to contamination and mold. So go for the whole bean. Mm, Okay. I'm going to have to really rethink how we're doing our coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then if you also like, depending on the brewing method you're doing, um, different brewing methods call for different grinds. So like when you buy pre-ground, it's usually really fine. But for example, like when you make cold brew, you need a really coarse, coarsely ground coffee. So if you're going to be like a coffee nerd and do all the fancy equipment and everything, then you definitely want to grind your own. Right. That makes sense. We do have a grinder. Sometimes I buy whole bean, but I see that you can grind it to your preference with that, like whatever type of coffee you're making. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes if you like get it from a roaster, you can ask them which way you want it. Ground, grinded, grounded. (laughs) (laughs) You can ask them like, oh, make this coarse or make this fine. But if you're like, sometimes you don't have the option too. Yeah. Right. Right. So let's talk about roast. Does the roast matter? Technically, yes. So the way you roast coffee will bring out different properties. And I I actually think it's like really kind of cool. Like it's like science. Um, But at the end of the day, like I really think it just comes down to taste preference, like light roast, medium roast, dark roast. So like I personally like a lighter roast and those are usually like bright and juicy and fruity and a little more acidic. Uh, some people like a dark roast, which is like smoother and bolder and more chocolatey. So I don't know. What do you like, Molly? I usually go for medium because I have no idea what roast means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's just like like how long and temperature and how they like how thoroughly they roast the bean, basically. So okay. Some so, people go ahead. Well, I was going to ask. You know, just thinking back to how they process coffee and roast it, does that make any difference health-wise, how dark of a roast you get? Yeah. So like I've read really mixed things about this. So some people will argue that like darker roasts are healthier because they have lower level of, it's something called acrylamides. I think I'm saying that right. Um, But again, that's like a naturally occurring chemical and it's found in cooked foods. So um, like higher levels of it have been shown to be like carcinogenic. So people will say like, you know, you should just get the darker roast. But then I've also read that lighter roasts, they have higher levels of chlorogenic acids. So those are like really good for your liver and metabolism and everything. So it's like, again, I think as long as you're buying like quality organic beans from a good roaster, like I don't think it truly makes too big of a difference whether you want like a light roast or a dark roast. I think it's just a taste thing. Um, But then also like some people are more sensitive to like really acidic coffee. So another thing you might see in the coffee world is like low acid coffee. And it's like, well, at the end of the day, all coffee is kind of acidic. But if you're like really wanting to be mindful of it or you have like 
you know, stomach issues or coffee upsets your stomach, then maybe you do want to go for like the darker, smoother roasts that don't have as much of that like acidic kick to them. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, actually. I don't know. It's like really crazy once you look into it. But I think, again, just look for the quality of the coffee first and then don't worry as much about like light roast, dark roast, all of that. Yeah. But I do kind of want to try, like now that you're talking about the different flavor profiles and stuff that comes out, I kind of want to try a light roast and a dark roast and see if I can tell the difference. Yeah. It's, I mean, I can tell a difference. Like I, I really can't do dark roast. I don't like them. Like I need to put a lot of cream in them. (laughs) But then there's some people who are like, oh my gosh, light roast. That's like disgusting. That's not even coffee. Like people are very particular about this. (laughs) That's really funny. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So if, if we're doing like hot coffee, so you're brewing a hot cup of coffee, is there a preferred or I guess best option for not only the type of coffee, like maybe the roast, but also what kind of equipment do you like? Yeah. So, um, I get, again, the roast, I think it's more just your taste preference for what you're wanting, like what flavors you're wanting, but equipment definitely matters. Um, I would say in general, like the less amount of plastic, the hot water and coffee can come in contact with, that's obviously better. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really like, I mean, I know a lot of people really like the convenience of like just you program it at night and it'll automatically make your coffee in the morning for you. Um, But a lot of those do have like the plastic in them. So I haven't, I haven't totally looked into like what's the best automatic brewing system because I really prefer the like manual techniques, which they do take longer, but I do feel like you get way more flavorful and like nuanced better cup of coffee from them so one is pour over Mm -hmm. um I don't know if you've heard of that yes I have yeah so one of the more popular brands is Chemex it kind of looks like something you'd use in like a science lab yeah it's like a glass (laughs) vial thing it's pretty cool um you usually need like a filter with it so I usually try to get either unbleached compostable filters or just ones that are like reusable organic cotton. Um, But yeah, the pour over, I think really makes like the most delicious, smooth, flavorful, nuanced cup of coffee. Um, And these pour overs, like they come in lots of different styles and whatever. Um, But again, just at the end of the day, look for one that is glass. Um, But yeah, it's again, the downside is that it's not automatic. They do make really fancy pour over ones that are automatic, but they're like hundreds of dollars. So <laughs> you could look into that, I guess, if you want. But I, I don't know. I really like just the ritual ritual of it. Like every morning, like, you know, you're measuring out your beans and the water and you're pouring it. So it's very soothing and calming for me. And you grind your beans every morning. Yes, I, I sure do, Molly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. So then the other method is French press. So this one's like super easy. Um, you've probably seen them. They're just like literally a jar and then it has a top that you press down and that strains out the coffee. So, um, again, you want to look for glass with those. I have seen plastic ones, but if you're using really hot water, you really want the glass. Um, and the taste of French press comes out a little different than pour over because you don't have like that paper filter and then the 
brewing technique is like slightly different. So with French press, it's usually like stronger and bolder. And then it also is like a little thicker, which sounds kind of weird, but like there is a little bit of the coffee residue when you use a French press. So slightly different techniques, but I feel like those are kind of the top two when you're brewing hot coffee, the top two you should do. Yeah, there's so we've used French press for years. Although I will say last year my husband begged for us to go back to a programmable coffee mm. maker because it's just we have with the kids and stuff, it's a very hectic morning time scene. Yeah. Yeah, I totally get it. <laughs> Less ritual, more ah <laughs> yeah. We need to go. Yeah. But um I have a double walled insulated stainless steel French press that I love because we used a glass one for so long. And the biggest, so we got a big one because between both of us, we might want, I don't usually drink two full cups, but a lot of times I want like half a cup more Mm -hmm. and um, he'll usually have a second cup, Teddy. So, um, but by the time it's sitting on the counter, it gets kind of cold. And so with the double walled uh, stainless steel one, it keeps it hot for much longer. So I really like that one. That sounds really nice. I actually haven't seen those. So I'm going to look into that. Yeah. I have it linked in my Amazon storefront. Um, And maybe what, I'm sorry. I'll go creep on that after this. Yeah. You know, (laughs) I'll have to put a link to it in the, the notes for this as well, just in case anybody's looking. I, the other thing I'll say is I've had some readers write in to me, uh, asking about stuff like that because they said the glass has shattered on them a couple times. I had two Mm. people tell me that. And I do think you, I'm not saying it's their fault, but you have to be careful with glass because if, if you have it stored in a cold location and then you're pouring that hot water into it, obviously that could be a problem. Whereas with the stainless steel, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. No, I've definitely had a French press shatter on me, but that was more I, I wasn't being careful. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Yeah. I was like, no, this is so sad. <laughs> I know. Oh, gosh, what a mess, too. Yeah. So let's talk about cold brew because I know you really like a good cold brew. <laughs> yes. Any advice for making it at home? Yeah. So I usually do cold brew like spring through late summer, and then I'll switch to hot coffee the rest of the year because – I'm in Wisconsin and, you know, I don't want cold brew in the middle of January. So, <laughs> um, so cold brew, like we were kind of talking about, it's different than iced coffee. So iced coffee is basically like you brew your coffee regularly and then pour it over ice and chill it. Cold brew uses absolutely no heat. So the grounds just soak at room temperature and it's actually 60% less acidic than hot coffee. So oh. that's why I really like it because you're like, it's just way smoother. It's also a lot stronger. So if you want, <laughs> if you want more caffeine, definitely want you, you'll want to go the cold brew route. But um, it's super easy to do at home. I just make one batch a week and then like I literally just have to pour it every morning. I don't have to like do I don't have to like remake it every morning basically. Um, so you just need like a big glass jar and then I use something called a coffee sock. So it's basically like a reusable bag that you put the grounds in. Um, I do four cups water and then one cup of coarsely ground coffee and you just let it sit at room temperature for 12 to 18 hours. Um, there is like a little bit more that goes into it, but that's that's the gist of it. And then To take it a step further, if you're like trying to be mindful of 
the pathogens or the bacteria growth or whatever, you can also let it brew in the fridge, um, but you need to do it longer. So 18 to 24 hours. But technically, the correct way is to do it at room temperature. So that's usually what I do. Coffee socks sounds kind of gross, but otherwise. (laughs) I know. know. Why did they name it that? Like, could you name it something else that doesn't sound like a dirty gym sock or something? I know. It makes me think of the Polar Express when the guy's up on the roof and I have, but I don't remember that. <laughs> he like said, how about a nice hot cup of Joe? And then he pulls a sock out of the pot. It's really oh, gross. <laughs> okay. Well, it is, it is not as gross as that. I promise. <laughs> I know I have a weird brain association. Uh, <laughs> now I'm going to think about that every time I use it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they should just call it like a cold brew filter or something. <laughs> I know like a cold brew bag or yeah, yeah, yeah. not a sock not a sock. So let's talk about some of your favorite healthier coffee brands. Do you have any that you recommend? Yes. So I, for whatever reason, thought it would be fun to buy like a dozen bags of coffee and test them all. So (laughs) that was a little experiment I did not too long ago. Um, So I basically like researched all the different like clean, organic, mold-free, mycotoxin-free coffee brands. And then I tried them all out. So I did like end up putting a huge guide on my blog, which we can link in here. Um, but I basically like rate them all. So different notes about the taste, more info about the brand. Do they publish their uh, like mold free testing, which some brands do, some brands don't. So I kind of did all that work. And um, at this point, I've tried over like 18 brands because I just keep <laughs> I just keep adding to it and hearing about new brands. So I like to joke that like, you know, it was a tough job, but someone had to do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, fine, I guess it'll be me. Um, but yeah, I did end up finding like some of my top faves from it. There were some that were just really gross and I would not recommend. But Um, my top favorite, like taste wise, it's one called top shelf grind. So they're a roaster out of Seattle. Um, this is more for the people who like the light roasts because they have one called liquid gold light roast. It's delicious and amazing. And yeah, that's, that's my number one. Um, another brand I found is called life boost. So they're actually founded by a chiropractor, Um, I like their light roast, but they have like a ton of different roast options. And something about them is they test for over 400 different chemicals, I guess. So mycotoxins, heavy metals, pesticides, all of that. Um, And then I'll just name like two more quickly that are kind of like within my top, top, top faves. So Fabula, um, they again have a light roast that I really like, but they have different options. They actually have a half calf, which is really cool. I know a lot of people don't want the full boost of caffeine. So it's literally just half caffeinated beans and half decaf beans. And then lastly, this is probably one most people have heard about, but it's called Purity. I don't know if you've heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of big and like the clean coffee world. I think they're one of the most popular. Um, but I just really love like how much education they offer and like just about coffee in general and about clean coffee. And they're super transparent about everything. Um, and then I guess what kind of makes them unique is they roast each of their coffees to target certain health benefits. So 
kind of what we were talking about earlier about like the way you roast it will bring out different properties of the bean. So that's kind of what they do. So their lighter roast is supposed to be like really good for liver health and metabolic vitality. And then their darker roast, um, it actually has like prebiotics in it and it's supposed to be a lot gentler on your stomach. So yeah, super cool. Um, I feel like all of those brands are, you can't go wrong with either of them. And again, it really depends on like your taste preference. You might have to try a different couple brands out and see which one you personally like best taste-wise. Right. And I think that's so helpful, the guide that you put together, just because you have those notes and it might help somebody so they don't have to buy 18 different types of coffee. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I can say that gets really expensive. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure none of it went to waste, though. No, 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 no. But I, like, I did have like coffee for months. Basically, I was like, I don't have to buy coffee for a long time. <laughs> oh my gosh, I feel like that with laundry detergents right now. I've been testing oh. out a ton for a big post, and I'm like, I have so much laundry detergent. <laughs> I know it, it gets a little overwhelming. <laughs> it does. So I wanted to ask about decaf because I've read some things about how it's processed and how it can actually be quite unhealthy, even if it's organic, depending on how it's processed. I don't usually drink organic. I mean, not organic decaf, but um, obviously needs more coffee this morning. Um, <laughs> but the kids, you know, they think it's fun sometimes to have a little bit of coffee. We'll make, you know, bring out the French press and make them like a decaf coffee. Uh-huh. That's cute. Um, <laughs> but yeah, definitely this was another thing I kind of learned. I'm not, I don't drink decaf either, but if you do, you definitely want to look into making sure they use a natural non-solvent based method. So usually it's called Swiss water process. So it's basically just using pure water to remove the caffeine molecules instead of a chemical. So usually they'll use like, it's called methylene chloride or ethyl acetate. Those are kind of the chemicals that will like extract the caffeine, but you can do it with just water. So that's the main thing to look for. Um, It's also the Swiss water process is also really cool because it actually like retains the flavor and the beneficial antioxidant properties of your coffee, which um, if you do go the more traditional route of like the chemical solvents, they can actually like alter the way the coffee tastes or kind of remove the natural oils from the coffee. So It's kind of just like a win-win all around. Um, And then one more thing I learned when I looked into this, but like caffeine is actually a natural antifungal defense mechanism for the plant. So yeah. So when you do make a bean decaf, it actually becomes more prone to mold and it's kind of less able to protect itself. So that's why it's like, especially important if you do drink decaf to make sure you're going like the organic, clean coffee route. Yeah, probably a brand that tests for that or has some sort of quality assurance for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, I mean, you wouldn't think that like decaf would be drastically different, but I guess, you know, with all these processing methods, it definitely can be. That's so interesting. You know, I, I, definitely believe like everything's there for a reason, but you know, you never think about like, why is the caffeine in the coffee bean? But it's very interesting that it protects it. Right. Right. And like you hear about all the different, like just the plant defense mechanisms and all of that. It's like, oh, I guess they do have little, like, you know, you don't want to disrupt their little natural way of being. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's really cool though. Yeah, I think so. So I think we've definitely gone 
really deep into all the things with coffee today, but if people wanted to learn more, do you have more resources for listeners? Yeah, definitely. So um, kind of the guide I talked about earlier, um, it's just a blog post on my website, so we can link that for you guys. Um, it's That's where I tested all the different types of clean coffee and rated them. Um, I'm always adding to it, so trying to keep it updated and fresh when I learn about new brands. But that also has just like more info about like what to look for when you are buying coffee, um, different certifications and uh, different just like um, properties to look for when you're trying to vet a new brand. So that's kind of a good place to start. And then I do have an ebook. So if you are someone who likes cold brew or you want to learn more about like how to make it at home, what equipment you need, or you want to try different recipes, I do have, it's called Brew It Like Becca. <laughs> um, yeah. So that just is more cold brew specific. Um, and it's a lot more fun. So like, just if you want to make like yummy blended cold brew recipes and all that, I, that's all in there. And I did set up a coupon if your listeners want to try it. So code Molly should get you 15% off. That's awesome. And I love the name Brew It Like Becca. It's so perfect. I know. <laughs> yeah. I, I had pulled, um, cause I was like doing these little, this was like a few summers ago. I was just feeling creative and every morning I would like try a different blended cold brew recipe and like just try out really random combinations. So I was like, I kind of want to put like a name to this. So I had pulled people on Instagram and someone came up with that and I was like, yes, that's perfect. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on today and nerding out over coffee with me. Oh, <laughs> uh, anytime. This is like, this makes me so happy. So thank you so much for having me. Seven.